Welcome to the Southwest Church of Christ Bible Class podcast for Sunday, May the 2nd. This is Craig Benjamin, and since we are sharing the teaching duties through this series, you get me for two weeks, today and next week. This is week nine in our series called D6, which comes from Deuteronomy 6 and expresses the idea that we are to have the words of God on our hearts and that we are to teach them diligently to our children. Today's title is like a mighty rushing wind, which I have also called the transition to mission with these key truths. The Holy Spirit empowers the church, the church proclaims the gospel, and the church lives out the gospel. I'd like to look at these truths and at the same time frame for us how the text teaches them. My hope is that we not only capture the truths, but learn how to use the text so we can revisit it in the future for our own learning and help us teach others, our families, our friends, God-seekers who we meet in our lives. The text is Acts chapter 2, but we're going to want to step outside of it a bit to frame the truth and connect to a previous lesson. The word Acts is short for the full traditional name of the book, the Acts of the Apostles, and some have often said we could call it the Acts of the Holy Spirit, since it records the work of the Spirit in the early years of the church, and how important his work is in accomplishing the mission that God has for the church. Before we jump into Acts, I'd like to remind us that on March 21st, David Hess, one of our elders, taught a lesson called Teacher, Helper, Guide from John chapters 14 and 15. It was about the promised Holy Spirit who was to come after Jesus ascended into heaven. John 14 verses 16 and 17 say, I will ask, and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth. And John 15, 26 says, When the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, that is the spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness of me. But also John 16 and verse 7 says, But I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away, for If I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. This Helper is the teacher and guide that David spoke about. He couldn't come until Jesus went away to the Father. In the subsequent classes, Mark Compton and Jeff Sadler spoke of the death and resurrection of Jesus, both crucial to the gospel story and God's plan to provide for us. And now there's a connection between these three lessons and what I will share today. That connection is in Acts chapters 1 and 2, so we're going to want to look at chapter 1 briefly before we head into chapter 2. In Acts 1, beginning at verse 3, we find that Jesus appeared to the apostles alive after being raised from the dead. And he taught them about the kingdom of God. Don't lose sight of the fact that when Jesus ascended to heaven and sat down at the right hand of God, He was enthroned as king, and the kingdom was restored to Israel with King Jesus of the tribe of Judah, the royal tribe, seated on the throne. This was something that the apostles hadn't fully understood until Jesus was raised from the dead and taught them. In verse 4, he commanded them to wait for what the Father had promised, which they heard from Jesus. This was the promise of the Holy Spirit, the helper who Jesus talked about in John 14, 15, and 16. They only had to wait a few days since Jesus was crucified on the Passover and was raised on the third day, appeared to the apostles and taught them for 40 days, 
and was planning to send the Holy Spirit on Pentecost, which was a feast held 50 days after the Passover. In fact, this is how it is recorded in Acts 1 verses 4 and 5. And gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which he said you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. You see, the promise from God that Jesus had told them was that he had to go and then would send them the helper, the Spirit of truth. And that promise, the sending of the Holy Spirit, is what Jesus refers to here as them being baptized with the Holy Spirit. Verse 8 says that these men would receive power when the Holy Spirit had come upon them and they would be his witnesses to the remotest part of the earth. So you can kind of see why some might call this book the Acts of the Holy Spirit, because what the apostles did, the acts they performed, were powered by the Holy Spirit. But to the point of our theme today, these disciples waited in Jerusalem just like Jesus had commanded. And then something amazing happened. And as we get to chapter 2, we find that the day of Pentecost had come, They were all together, and then suddenly there came a noise, a sound. The sound filled the whole house where they were sitting, and to these disciples there appeared tongues as of fire that rested on each one of them. A bit of looking will show that this is when the Holy Spirit was poured forth by Jesus, just like he had promised. It's what they were to wait for. It's when the Holy Spirit came upon all mankind. Well, at least that's what Peter said that Joel said. Verses 16 and 17 say, uh, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. And it shall be in the last days, God says, that I will pour forth of my spirit upon all mankind. So that's what happened here. Jesus poured forth the Holy Spirit upon all mankind. Verse 33 confirms it. Therefore, having been exalted to the right hand of God, And having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured forth this which you both see and hear. You see, this is exactly what Jesus promised in John 14, 15, and 16. It's exactly what he told him to wait for. It's exactly what Joel said would happen. And you know what? It's for us too. This promise, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon all mankind, actually happened. And it, the promise, he, the Holy Spirit, is for us. Verses 38 and 39 say this, Repent and let each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise, that promise Jesus made about the helper, that promise that he told them to wait for, is for you, your children, and all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God shall call to himself. We are some of those who were far off. The promise is for us. When we're baptized, we receive the gift, the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit then teaches, helps, and guides, as David has taught. The Holy Spirit leads, comforts, convicts, intercedes, gifts, and more. So as we go back now and look at what this chapter presents, we can rest assured that God has provided for us what we need to fulfill the mission and purpose he has for us. 
The giving of the Holy Spirit is a very big deal. He sets the stage for the apostles to fulfill their ministry and for us to fulfill ours. As we reflect upon the mission, the work that God, God has for us, let's look briefly at the very proclamation of the gospel. Peter's sermon on that day, the day of Pentecost. I want to share it, uh, the essence of it in outline form and talk a bit about the gospel message, the message that the apostles shared, which is the message that we are to share. So first in verse 22, the man. Men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus the Nazarene, a man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs that God performed through him in your midst, just as you yourselves know. See, Jesus existed in the form of God, but he emptied himself, being made in the likeness of a man. He didn't perform miracles as God. God performed miracles through the faithful and obedient man, Jesus, and they knew it. The first point of this gospel message is that Jesus was a man. And a complete look at this truth will show his sinlessness, his full qualification as the sacrifice or payment for my sin and for your sin, the sin of the whole world. Next is the death in verse 23. This man delivered up by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, you nailed to a cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death. The second point of the gospel message is that Jesus was put to death on a cross. It was predetermined by God that this sacrifice would be made. And it's why the statement, by Jesus, thy will be done, resulted in the crucifixion taking place. It was cruel, it was painful and agonizing, but it was necessary to fulfill the plan of God and pay for my sin. Verses 24 through 32 speak of the resurrection of Jesus. Peter first simply declares that God raised him up and put an end to the agony of death since it was impossible for Jesus to be held in its power. Then he appeals to the words of King David in Psalm 16, which declare that Jesus would be raised from the dead. Peter explains that David couldn't have been talking about himself since he, David, was still in the tomb. And in verse 32, Peter gives the characteristic testimony of the apostles, this Jesus God raised up again, to which we are all witnesses. It's pretty much what they always said. You can check time and time again in Acts and see that they said things like, in 3.15, whom God raised from the dead, a fact to which we are all witnesses. In 3.26, God raised up his servant. 4.10, whom God raised from the dead. In 5.30, the God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you put to death by hanging him on a cross. 10, verses 40 and 41, God raised him up on the third day and granted that he should become visible not to all the people, but to witnesses who were chosen beforehand by God, that is to us, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. The list goes on. It's why Jesus even identified 12 apostles in the first place. In Acts 1, when they chose Matthias to take place of Judas as one of the 12, Peter said, it is therefore necessary that of the men who have accompanied us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, 
beginning with the baptism of John until the day that he is taken up from us, one of these should become a witness with us of his resurrection. Paul writes in Romans that Jesus was declared the Son of God with power by the resurrection. It is the third point of the gospel presentation. We cannot share the gospel of Jesus without telling about the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. Verses 33 through 35 declare the exaltation of Jesus, that he was exalted to the right hand of God, and that he received from the Father and poured forth the promise of the Holy Spirit, which we talked about earlier. Peter again appeals to King David, this time in Psalm 110. It wasn't David who ascended into heaven, but Jesus. The exaltation is the fourth point of this gospel, this good news. Jesus is right where we need him to be for us, at the right hand of God in heaven. But he didn't leave us alone. He sent the Holy Spirit to be with us, be in us, and help us. Verse 36 says that Jesus is both Lord and Christ. It declares that a person must acknowledge the lordship of this Messiah, the Christ. It isn't sufficient to see Jesus as merely the one who God sent. We must see him as and make him the Lord of our lives. And that's the fifth point. Jesus is both Lord and Christ. Verses 37 to 41 record the response. It's straightforward. First, people need to be pierced to the heart. It means that we need to recognize our own guilt and that our sin put Jesus on the cross. We must understand it and we must agree with it. Our hearts must be pricked for God. Then the natural response is to ask what's needed. What must someone do in response to these first five points? The life, death, resurrection, exaltation, and lordship of Jesus. Peter gives that classic and simple response. People need to repent, which is turning away from and leaving the problem of sin, and be baptized which is turning to and being united with the answer, who is Jesus. It really is very simple. Peter says that when we do respond to the lordship and command of Jesus, that we will receive forgiveness, remission of sin, and the gift of the Holy Spirit, which is the indwelling presence of God, of Christ in our lives. It kind of brings us back to where we started this lesson. When I referenced David Hess's class on the Holy Spirit being our teacher, helper, and guide. Jesus promised he would go to the Father and send the Holy Spirit, the helper, to us. So he did, and the Spirit came. And the Spirit is given to all who obey Jesus. As I said earlier, the promise, the Spirit, was for them, their children, and all who are far off, and that includes all of us. Our three key truths today were the Holy Spirit empowers the church, and we've seen that promise and its fulfillment. The church proclaims the gospel, and we've seen that proclamation and what it includes. And the church lives out the gospel, which we see in these final verses, 42 to 47. Here's what happened. Here's how the church lived out the gospel from the day of its inception. Here's how the church functioned when the people obeyed Jesus, received the Holy Spirit to live in them, 
and became doers of the word and not merely hearers of it. Verses 42 through 47. And they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. And day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. I have a question for us today. Can we see in this lesson not only our mission, which is we are a Christ-focused family committed to living for God, loving each other, and lighting the world, but also our vision, and specifically the goals of the vision? I think we can. Listen to these. Prayer. They were devoted to prayer. Minister. They were in fellowship, which is a joint participation of service and ministry, and they were sharing with one another. Connect. The believers were together in one another's houses and taking meals together. Equip. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching. Relevant. They found favor with all the people. Grow. The Lord was adding to their number day by day. I think it's incumbent upon us to live in the power of God, allowing his Holy Spirit, the one who dwells in each of us, to lead us as we walk together in the vision that he has for us. Thank you for joining us today. May God bless each of us as we live in his power. Amen.